From the capital city, I'm Ken Smith. Artists with a love of capturing the natural world while giving back to the land have a -a one-of-a-kind opportunity to combine both passions into one program. Voices of the Wilderness Artist-in-Residence is an Alaska-based program and open to artists from anywhere in the world. Barbara Lydon is the program director in Alaska. She says the program started in 2010 and has hosted nearly 100 artists since its inception. Lydon says it's a unique opportunity for artists to experience wilderness while creating their art. Basically, instead of staying in a cabin, artists are invited to spend time in a remote setting in um, in the in the backcountry of Alaska. And so, um, artists are paired with wilderness specialists, and they're engaged in stewardship projects, which could range from, gosh, anything from marine debris pickup, invasive weeds, wildlife studies, education, um, just a, a host of different stewardship projects. And in exchange for the residency, artists um, donate a work of art and provide a community extension. So, um, you know, that could vary based on what their area of um, expertise is. This year's program features 11 wilderness areas and includes areas managed by the USDA Forest Service, National Park Service, and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Hosted by the U.S. Forest Service, we have Kutnuwu Wilderness and um, Tracy Armford's Terror Wilderness, South Baranoff Wilderness, let's see, Stikine LeConte, and um, here on the Chugash Nelly Wong College Fjord Wilderness Study Area. Through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, um, we're going to have Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge hosting an artist, as well as Arctic, uh, Koyukuk, and Selawik National Wildlife Refuges. And the National Park um, Service is going to be hosting artists through uh, NOATAC and um, Wrangell St. Elias National Parks. The program is open to artists of all types, from visual to audio, performance art, and more. There is no stipend included, but food may be provided for an artist in the field. Leiden says transportation is provided for the artist to the wilderness area, and then assistance is also provided while they're there. The artists are responsible for getting themselves to and from Alaska, and then we kind of take it from there. So we get the artist out into the field, however... That may be traveling by um, float plane or boat. And then once out in the field, you know, the artist is essentially camping for as long as the residency is. And these residencies really vary depending on the park, refuge, or forest um, that they're on. So the residency may be anywhere from five days to two weeks. Leiden encourages applicants to apply early as it is a competitive process. She also says past artists' work can be viewed online. If artists are interested in checking out some of the stories and artwork from past artists, they can go to our website. Um, if they just Google Voices of the Wilderness, it'll bring, us, uh, bring them to the Region 10 Forest Service page. And they can check out stories and highlights from previous artists. And they can also download the information in the application for the 2023 summer residencies. Applications are being accepted from now through March 1st. Before you take your Christmas tree to the Juno dump, think about disposing it for free to be recycled. On Friday, January 20th or Saturday, January 21st from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., 
You can drop it off at the city's Household Hazardous Waste Facility, located at 5600 Tonsgard Court. Here's Stuart Ashton, Recycle Works Operations Manager. There's a lot of holiday trees out there from uh, being decorated and whatnot, and instead of them going to the landfill to get put in there or in the ditches, <laughs> we want to make sure that there's a nice, good uh, good place for them to bring them. So that's why we're doing it. And as long as they meet the criteria um, for the equipment that we have, uh, no taller than 9 feet and 8 inches in diameter, and free of stuff, you drop it off. Um, we're going to chip it on up, and then we're going to deliver it to Eagle Crest, where they use that for trail mediation. Trees must be free of decorations or other foreign materials. Wreaths or other tree-like decorations will not be accepted. The Juno Douglas High School cheer will also be assisting in picking up trees to be recycled. For as long as we've been we've been doing this, uh, they've been offering that uh, that that service. You know, for donations, they'll come pick your tree up, so you don't have to deliver it yourself. And they bring a, a substantial amount. I believe last year uh, we had about 800 trees come in, and they probably bought in about a third of them uh, um, themselves. And so we just wanted to help get the word out so more people can use that service if they choose to. And since it's a you know, school, CBJ, all the same entity and whatnot, and yeah, give them a little plug. If you want your tree to be picked up, you can contact Coach Nori by text at 907-723-6580, 723-6580. to sign up. A $10 donation is also requested. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski was officially sworn in yesterday. Employees of Southeast Alaska Conservation Council are seeking to form a union. Dialogue continues between the company and its employees, and also now lawyers. And the first baby of the year was born in Juneau. Those stories coming up on News of the North. Welcome back to News of the North. CBJ Docks and Harbors has contracted with Alaska Electric LLC to make electrical repairs affecting pedestrian lighting in the vicinity of the tram building along the seawalk. Repairs begin today and should be completed by Friday. The outage was the result of a damaged electrical cable leading to the intermediate vessel float. U.S. Senator Lisa Mikowski was officially sworn in yesterday to a new term as senior senator for Alaska. Murkowski first took office on December 20, 2002. She is now 15th in the Senate seniority and 6th among Senate Republicans. The 118th Congress marks the start of Murkowski's fourth full term. Murkowski plans to continue to serve as vice chair of the Indian Affairs Committee and as senior member on the Appropriations, Energy and Natural Resources and Health and Education Labor and Pensions Committees. Employees of the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council are seeking to form a union. Dialogue continues between the company and its employees, and now lawyers. Jazz Garrett has more. Meredith Trainer, Executive Director of SEAC, spoke to News of the North in regards to the SEAC Union submitting a request for voluntary recognition to SEAC leadership on December 12th after voting by supermajority to unionize as SEAC United. The request stated that if a decision had not been made by December 16th, they would file a petition for election with the National Labor Relations Board. In an interview, SEAC United noted Littler Mendelssohn represented Starbucks management to dismantle union formations by employees. Despite this, Trainer says it is not their intention to combat the union. 
since we saw some of the press releases come out from the group of four SEAC employees that are seeking to unionize, the SEAC leadership has mostly been spending time trying to understand what this means for a small regional nonprofit like ours. You know, we only have 11 total employees and we have only about, I think it's about six of us that are here in the Juno office, three of whom are involved in this effort. Most of the time the organization is spending on this is just trying to understand what it means since there are not many examples of super small nonprofits like us having unions. And we need to understand like how that changes relationships inside our office and the way that people interact with each other. Trainer says they looked for the best firm they could to represent them. So the firm that we hired is the largest labor and employment law firm in the U.S. So they have many, many lawyers that represent many, many different businesses. We wanted the experts, right? We don't want to hire somebody who hasn't worked on labor law before, for example, or who doesn't work in Alaska. So we found a labor lawyer that was in our state that understands our kind of people and hired the best firm that we could. In this case, you know, it's hard to find an attorney when an effort like this is made over the Christmas break. We were really hustling to make sure that we had representation in someone's guide us. Trainer says she values communication with employees. From the perspective of the organization, obviously it's incredibly important to us that we have happy, healthy employees. There are many processes in place at SEAC that enable employees to bring questions to the leadership. There's also a formal grievance policy that allows employees to bring concerns to the board. They do have to be substantiated. We wish, I think we wish that there had been more conversation about this in advance, because I bet we could have found a way to address the concerns that are being raised. Trainer clarifies what's next in the process. There are steps in the national labor relations process that are being taken now. Then there will be a hearing by the National Labor Relations Board sometime very soon to not to not to say yes or no, you can or can't have a union, but to say a yes, it's possible to have a union, like you meet the requirements of the law, or no. And then to say, these employees will qualify for this union, these employees will not qualify for this union, and to set the terms of an election. So what happens is the eligible employees all have the right to vote. And that's one of the reasons I think going through this whole process is so important. Bartlett Regional Hospital's first baby of the new year was born on January 3rd. Ethan Weed was born weighing 7 pounds, 14 ounces, and 20.5 inches long. Ethan is the second child of Hannah and Adam Weed of Juno and has a big sister at home. Erin Harden, Director of Marketing Communications for Bartlett Regional Hospital, says it's a long tradition and she tells us how it began. So the tradition was really started by Dr. Lindy Jones and his wife, Colleen. Dr. Jones is currently a physician in our emergency department, uh, but he used to uh, deliver babies here at the hospital. And so he started this really as a, a labor of love six years ago. As part of the hospital's celebration, the Weed family was surprised with a handmade wooden rocking boat filled with newborn items with creating this beautiful wood rocking boat that the obstetrics team here at the hospital fills with lots of different uh, different kinds of goodies for, for newborns. And so it's, it's really an honor of, of Dr. Jones who came up with this idea and he's carried it on uh, each year. Uh, a different uh, boat has been delivered uh, to the unit. Uh, he tries to use a, a different kind of wood. And this year I was excited to hear um, that uh, Icy Straits Lumber down in Huna um, donated the yellow cedar for the boat uh, for the boat this year. So that's, uh, that's kind of the history behind it. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Ken Smith.
for News of the North.